Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. We're going to read Matthew chapter 7 verse 12, but not until I have reminded you of this vision that I saw um, a week ago or two weeks ago. Remember that I stood here and I told you that I saw a lady, a lady figure that was dressed in black and she was pointing accusing fingers to a group of people that were evidently the saints. And the reason why she was pointing accusing fingers was because she came under the fear of a plague that was coming. In the vision, I saw that there was a plague coming, and that was why I said, Beware, there is a plague coming. And that plague, I was diving into it again today. Let me share with you a little technique. You see, I shared with you that most of the visions that we see, we see by the ministry of angels, right? Because the mysteries and the secret treasures of the kingdom of God are they're hidden. And so for them to be delivered to you, they have to be brought securely by the hand of a messenger that is empowered not to allow for there to be a compromise in the quality, in the integrity and confidentiality of the information that is being passed across. Okay, I'm trying to pick my words because I went to school for information security. So sometimes if I don't hold myself back, I'll be sounding all technical when I'm talking about the passage of information. But let's just keep it simple. The angels are God's way, I mean, the ministry of angels is the way by which God reveals to us the hidden secrets, the hidden treasures of the secret places. And that is the reason why when you look through the scriptures, a lot of the prophets, a lot of the people of God who saw things that were beyond the natural realm, it would be an angel that would bring it to them. Do you even know that the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ himself that was revealed to John some of it was actually delivered through the hand of angels the Bible says behold the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ that the father gave to him to share with John and the one that Jesus shared with John were the ones that were about to happen and I told you before Jesus was really into it like these are the things that must come shortly but then after Jesus was done the angels came and they took it on from there and started to share more about the Lamb of God which makes sense because Jesus shared about the church right but the angels came and shared about Jesus because Jesus is the Word of God and the Word of God will not violate itself and the Bible says let do not do not sing to your own honor let another one sing your praises so when Jesus came he spoke about the church he spoke about things that must happen shortly but then the angels came and started to talk about the Lamb of God imagine if it was Jesus who was revealing that oh there's a book in heaven <laughs> and nobody can open it but me <laughs> You know, and so no, no, he didn't do that. He allowed another to bear witness of him. He bore witness to the father. He bore witness to and against the church where it was needed. But the angels came and they bore witness of him, right? But while all of that was going on, or while I was telling you that, one of the things that I wanted to bring out was the fact that angels, when they come to you, they take you to a certain place. The prophets were usually taken to a certain place. Look at all the things that God revealed to Isaiah. The one brought to him where he was at. He was taken to a place where he could see those things. He was taken to a secure location. It is almost as if you're in an office environment and somebody wants to show you the books. They don't bring the computer to your table where everybody can see. They're like, come and see me in my office. And they shut the door and they're like, look at what's going on. 
You see what I mean? And so they have to be taken to certain places. Now, we've talked about all of that before. But one of the things that I have learned, let me say very humbly, that I am still learning to operate in is how to go back on my own to access the things that have been given to me. It took me a while to realize this, but after I realized it, now wait a minute, when the scrolls are brought by the hands of the angels to share with me, they're not necessarily standing next to me and reading it along with me because it's not for them, it is for me. They show it to me. And then they roll it up sometimes and then the vision is over. But one of the things that I have learned is, wait a minute, the Bible says that the hidden secrets, the hidden treasures of secret places, even the mysteries of our Lord and God, they belong to us and to our children. So that means I have access to it and I can pass it on to my children. And that is the reason why when Solomon came on the scene, Solomon had access to the secrets that God revealed to David. You know, David was a time traveler. David was somebody who saw the future. He literally walked in the future. Because when you read the description of some of the experiences of the Lord Jesus Christ that David detailed, they were not experiences of somebody who saw a vision on the screen. They were experiences of somebody who was walking three-dimensionally in the visions that he saw. Right? You can, read, you can read them. You can read how he would describe things. In fact, there was once that he was in heaven before Jesus was raised from the dead. David was there. He traveled into the future by the grace of God. And he was standing in heaven before the throne of God because he heard what God said before Jesus showed up. He said, and the Lord said to my Lord, arise. And then when he was arisen, he came up. He said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And the secret behind David's ability to see visions like that was not because the Lord called him to the office of a prophet. You will not see in scripture. Well, let me say that slowly. Because I was about to say you will not see in scripture where David was anointed a prophet. But he was anointed a king. But then he was given the option to choose if he wanted more than the office of a king. Remember that when Saul was anointed, Saul was given, I think, just one piece of bread. Or he took only one piece of bread. But when David was anointed, he took three. Because when he was anointed as king, they were, he was presented with bread. And when he went into the bread, he had access to priesthood, to being a king, and also to being a prophet. Okay? So, but then the method for his prophecy was not just by angelic revelation. The method was by being in God's presence because God's presence is elevated above all things. And when you're in God's presence, you see the past, you see the present, and you see the future. And that's what happens when we spend time in God's presence. Things become known to us. How come David knew more things about the Lord Jesus Christ before he came than anybody else? When you look through prophecies, well, with the exception of someone like Enoch, Enoch was on a whole new level. Okay, well, with the exception of someone like Enoch, who else was able to describe the experiences of the Lord Jesus? He's the expression on his face while he was being beaten, the judgment and the courts of Pontius Pilate, the conspiracies of Herod, even the betrayal of Judas Iscariot, as well as what the high priest of the day did when he said it is better for one to die than for all to die. Those things were made known to David simply because the guy would not leave God's presence. And so after a while, it's like, you know when you have guests that will not leave your house and you need to clean up, you start cleaning up while they're there? You need to cook, you start cooking while they're there? 
You want to discipline your children? You do it while they're there. Because at the end of the day, this guest has come to stay. You see what I mean? And so when God was doing his things in heaven, they couldn't get rid of David. He was always in God's presence. And so because they couldn't get rid of him, he saw all of these things. And by the time Solomon came on the scene, the guy was already dangerous. Even before he had an encounter with God. Simply because of the fact that the secrets that were given to David also belonged to him and to his children. And so at the end of the day, I started to meditate upon these things. I started to think about the extent of my own privileges. And I don't like leaving money on the table. It's happened to me before. That I went to some meetings about 20 years ago. And I thought that if I could just get the client to pay 20000 I am made for life. And then after getting them to say yes to 20000 I spoke to a senior consultant. And he was like, so how, how, how did that go? I was like, oh, you won't believe what happened. All of my schooling paid off. All of the praying and fasting paid off. What happened? I said, I got them to pay 20000 He was like, which client? That same client. He said their budget for things like this is about a hundred thousand and above. For a second, I felt unholy. I was like, woe is me for I am of impure lips. Because it's like, what have I just done? And I'm telling you, I had a couple of experiences like that. And so since then, rather than seeking for new privileges or new opportunities, I developed a habit to exhaust existing opportunities many of us are looking for new relationships whereas you have not made the most of the ones you have currently many of us are looking for fresh revelations out of the word of god whereas that which he has already shown to you how much have you used it you need to be able to explore and 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 get the most out of the promises that are in the word of god i know some people my brother and i were talking the other day about some people that we know they don't know too many scriptures but the few that they know the way they juice those scriptures again and again. In the morning, the scripture will give them milk. In the afternoon, it will give them a sandwich. And at night, it will pay for them to fly first class. The same scripture. But for us, we feel like, oh, we don't know enough. No, no, no. You're not using enough of what you already know. And so, I developed that habit. Sometimes, you find me, I am reading the same chapter. There are times when I can read the same chapter of the Bible for days. And it's not just because I'm not the fastest reader in the room, but it's just because every now and again I can tell there is more in here. There is more in here. Why run ahead when there is so much more that I'm a believer behind? You see what I mean? Let me tell you an experience that happened to me a while ago. I was studying scriptures and I saw things that I didn't understand. But I realized that if I kept reading, after a while, as I read on, I will understand what I had read previously. So I realized, is it because now I'm seeing new stuff or because I've given myself time to meditate on that which I read? In reality, it's a little bit of, it's a bit of both. But for the most part, I tell you, spending time to meditate on what you're reading over and over again continues to give you good stuff. This was the way Jesus put it. Jesus said, I believe in the book of Matthew somewhere, he said, a scribe that is instructed in the things of God brings out of his treasures things that are both old and new. He didn't say a man instructed in the things of God. He chose his words very carefully. I searched through scriptures to find references to see if anybody had put those words together in that order. And to be honest, not many people have actually considered referencing others as scribes 
But Jesus said that the scribe that is instructed in the things of God. Why is he in particular talking about the scribe? You know that the ministry of scribes back in the days was mostly writing the law again and again. The scribes is the same word scribe that gives us the word scribble to write. So they were the ones who would look into the perfect law of liberty. Look at what is written and then transfer it onto another parchment. And transfer it onto another parchment. They kept writing the same thing over and over again. And that was why Jesus said that a scribe that is instructed in the things of God brings from his treasures. So the more you can meditate on the word of God, the more you do that which scribes do, which is to take the letter. And they apply it to different parchments, different scrolls, different surfaces. Sometimes they wrote it on walls. Sometimes they wrote it on papyrus. The more they wrote it, the more they're able to bring out the treasure of the word of God. And that is the reason why you need to take the same scripture and apply it to your business. Apply it to your family. Write it on your children. Write it upon your habits. Because the more you keep writing it as a scribe, the more you find that it is an unending resource of life, of grace, and of good godly pleasure and so i want to encourage you folks do this often so what did i do this time around i said wait a minute the angel who showed this to me i don't seem to recognize if he's around but i need to see what i saw all over again and so i pressed into it and this time around it was almost as if i was in control of what i was looking for i was able to pan around in the vision and it's one of the very first times that i've been able to do it now, angels have allowed me to be stationary in the vision and in trances and things will move and they will pause. They will explain things to me and play the video again and make it pan around like in 360 degrees so I can see different dimensions. But I haven't really been able to do it myself until this vision. At least not that I remember. And so when I went back, I pressed in because I'm like, there is more in that vision. So when I pressed in, I saw the woman again. This time around, I was able to see her demeanor. I was able to ask questions. So I said, okay, this woman is dressed in black like someone who has just been bereaved. Remember that I told you that because of the plague that was coming and the woman had suffered losses because of the previous plagues. That was why she was already dressed in black. This time around, I said, okay, so why in particular is this woman dressed in black and others aren't? And they said to me, because she's a widow now, she has just lost her husband. And I'm like, okay, so who is your husband? And her response was like, they took him away. I said, oh, they took him away. Who is he that they took away? And then I started to pan around in the vision. And guess what? That woman was married to the system of the world. The woman was married to the system of the world. And the system's been taken away. And that was why she was sorrowful. She was grieving over the loss of the system. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, now this is interesting. I want to see more. I want to see more because if that's what, so this is what she was really blaming us for. She was blaming the church. I thought initially that it was only for the plague that was coming, but she was blaming the church for more than just the plague that is to come because we are the ones with the power to afflict the world with all manners of plagues according to Revelation chapter 11. But also this woman was blaming the church for the demise of her husband. Because you know that the, ma the martyrs who had died before us, the Bible says that their souls are crying from under the altar that is in the presence of the Almighty God. And they're asking for vengeance. They're saying, how long till you avenge our blood? 
And the Lord is like, okay, I'm going to avenge your blood because you died in the hand of the system. The system has a name. The name of the system is called Nabal. I've shared this with you before, but let me elaborate a little bit more. I shared this around the time that I was talking to us about the life of David. You know, David means the, the, the beloved of the father. And he was married to a lady that was called Abigail. And Abigail also means beloved of the father. So Abigail was essentially the female uh, version of David. But Abigail, before she was married to David, she was married to a man that was called Nabal. And Nabal means the fool. Right? And what is the definition of a fool according to scripture? The Bible says the one who says in his heart that there is no God. Denial of the existence or the person of God is foolishness. Remember that acknowledging God is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That fear is not fear as in trembling, but acknowledging the existence of God. And the opposite of being wise is being foolish. So if you acknowledge God, you're wise, but if you deny him, you're foolish. And the system denies God, and so the system is Nabal. And Nabal was an oppressor. When you study the life of Nabal, Nabal was a very horrible guy. He was a mean guy, he was an oppressor, and he was married to Abigail. So the woman that I was looking at who was sorrowing, the woman that I was looking at is actually a woman who was originally beloved of the father, but she did not leave Nabal until Nabal was taken away from her. And when I saw that, I immediately knew the reason why I went back to see more of that picture. And then in that moment, the voice of the Lord came to me saying to me, he said, remind your brothers and sisters that if they're still married, to the system they need to divorce the system yes. let me tell you something many of you are like oh what do you mean divorce the system does it mean that i need to stop spending money does it mean that i need to stop going to work does it mean that i need to stop investing does it mean no 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 let me tell you something you see that bridge that you drive over when you're going to atlanta to you it's a means to an end but to somebody else that is their home they live under that bridge right so this system that is the husband to some people or that is a husband to some people is supposed to be a tool in your hands to get your job done you're not supposed to be married to your instruments you understand what i mean it is a tool so i can keep spending money i can keep using the resources that are within the system but as long as i don't see the system as my husband all is well in the world and so it is all about perspective. It is all about how you see the world. Some people see the world as their husband that looks after them. They see the system of the world as their husband who takes care of them, who provides for them. Whereas the system is not your husband, the system is just a tool that is there for you to navigate from day to day. Such that if the system isn't there, your life is not crippled. If the system goes away, as the word of the Lord has commanded, then you are not at loss. You are not sorrowing like that woman. It was a little unfortunate because one of the things that I saw was that this woman had inscriptions on her face. They were not tattoos, but they were impressions on her face. Almost like when somebody has something that is engraved or embossed upon their faces. And those characters, I recognize them to be emblems of the children of God. They carry all of that God's goodness, all of the privilege of being a kingdom heir. And they submit it to the system just for a loaf of bread. 
just for false security just for convenience but the Lord is saying right now I need you to wake up because if you don't divorce in the bar in the days to come your sorrow will be great and I pray that none of us here will continue to be in the house of Nabal, believing in the system, serving the system, worshiping the system. Because you know what happens when you take the position of a wife in the realm of the spirit, you take the position of obedience and submissiveness. Because the Lord said to the woman, Eve, he said to her that for your husband shall be your worship and him shall you seek to serve and that is the reason why so many of us cannot even stop doing things like we keep every every time every now and again we're like oh i want to hear what's in the news i want to hear what's in the news i want to hear what you, you see let me tell you something in a marriage relationship both the husband and the wife they're supposed to submit to one another right they're supposed to submit the bible says submit therefore to one another in the same chapter where it says wives submit to your husbands right but the system of the world is a system that is in opposition to God. You will submit to it, but it will not submit to you. It will lord over you. Paul put it this way. He says, so that's why, I'm, that's why I explained very carefully that when you as a wife seeks the lordship to honor the lordship of your husband, it's because God knows that the husband also will seek to continually cherish you because it is a relationship that is mutually beneficial and mutually honorable. And that is the reason why God is okay with you submitting to one another because he knows that if you both submit to him and you submit to one another, there's not going to be oppression. None is going to despise the other. None is going to dis dishonor the other but he doesn't expect you to take the same posture toward the world because the world is not in obedience to God you see what I mean but that's what many of us don't know we don't understand that the world system recognizes our vulnerability and our vulnerability is a vulnerability by nature not so that we can be taken advantage of but so that we can be connected to another person if you don't have any soft spots you can't connect with anything else. If you take two stones, both of them are very hard. God help you trying to make them one. They're never going to be one. But when you take clay that is still soft and malleable, and you connect it to another clay that is soft and malleable, both of them can unite such that you can't even tell the difference between them anymore. But that is how some of us have been taken advantage of by the system. The system sees your vulnerability. The system knows that you like some conveniences. The system knows that you like to have a sense of security. The system knows that you are in need of daily bread. And the system says, you know, I've come. I'll take care of you. You want daily bread? Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah. The system, the system knows what you want. Oh, yeah. That's how Hawaiian bread is one of the best breads ever. I tell my wife all the time, I'll be like, Rose, this bread is going to be in heaven. Yeah. That is how good it is. Oh, yeah, we bought her. Yeah, yeah. And one day I was cracking that joke with my brother. I told my brother, I said, my, I told my brother, I said, I love yam and eggs so much so that I can tell you that yam and eggs will be in heaven. And you know what he said to me? He said, I used to think that until one day the Lord asked me and said to me, are you aware of the fact that everything that you're seeing in this world is in a fallen state? said wait until you see what yam was originally meant to be like and then you wouldn't want this one anymore and so I repented but I still say that to my wife 
Let's read Matthew chapter 7 verse 12. Matthew 7 12 says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So let me tell you a little principle. In the world to come, the Bible says that we will rule over the heathen. We will be the lords of the earth. Jesus is going to be here with us. The earth was originally designed for us and we're going to take our lawful place. And the people that will serve us, incidentally, we need to serve them now. You see what I mean? Whatever you want men to do to you, you do to them. And one of the ways by which you get given the opportunity to rule along with Jesus Christ is to demonstrate that you are willing and able to serve. How do we serve the world now? How do we serve the heathen now? We serve them by interceding for them. We serve them by preaching the gospel to them. You see, I say that slowly because the church has become an expert at praying for the world. You know how we go witnessing now? We go to the mall, we go to the town centers, we go to preach to people, supposedly, but when we get there, what do we do? Rather than preaching to them, we're always saying, oh, can I just pray with you? Because when you say you want to pray with someone, we find that less, you know, invasive, and we find that most people are willing to take prayer. But you will not find anywhere in Scripture wherein the apostles did that. When Jesus even said, I do not pray for the world. But I'm even talking about when you go witnessing. And that is where we got it wrong. What do we do today? Today, we preach to unbelievers in our homes while you're watching TV. You're, you're preaching to them. You're like, oh, people aren't supposed to do that. You're looking at those girls on Instagram that are not well-dressed. And they're like, don't you know that you know it is honorable to be decent and this and that? You're preaching to them in secret. And then you want to pray for them in open. But we're supposed to do both in the open. You understand what I mean? Particularly preaching to them in the open and pray more for them in secret. We've gotten the order wrong. And you know what we're letting the world do? We're letting the world choose how we serve them. And they have gotten us to serve them in lawlessness. Simply because I tell you what, when you see people who would say yes for you to pray with them at the mall, they don't want you to preach to them because they don't want to have to repent. But they want the power that you have because the world is a Walmart. Every little helps. You see, is it Walmart? One of these stores, they say every little helps. Because people, is it Tesco? Tesco from England. It's the same thing. Tesco and Walmart, what's the difference? Every little helps. You see, I'm much better now than I used to be for a period of time I lived and worked in about three countries or so and so I mixed things up all the time sometimes I would take some exits because in Vancouver this exit goes this way but then you take that in Atlanta you end up in Columbus <laughs> so every little helps the same person that would allow for you to pray for them today guess what the moment you leave and a new age person comes and tells them they want to help them balance their chakra they're like oh go ahead <laughs> And then the moment that person leaves, a witch comes to them and tells them that they want to help them to remove some bad energy. And they're like, oh, let's do it. 
That's because those people do not care about God. They do not care about worship. They do not care about submission to the Almighty God. What they care about is anything that can just help them to just get ahead and continue to please themselves. And that's, why, and that's what we've been feeding. We've been feeding that. Let me tell you something. I tried that only once before and the Lord said to me, I didn't ask you to do that. I went out with a group of people, some of whom you know, to say that we want to go and witness to people in town. And when we got there, they were just like, oh, you know these people, they're kind of like, people don't want to be preached to anymore. We've done enough of that. Let's just pray for them. And I was outnumbered. So on the day, I'm like, okay, let's pray for them. But I knew I wasn't comfortable. And when I, when I left the place, the Lord told me, how do you feel now? I said, horrible. I was like, stop doing it. If I can't preach to you, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not going to let you take the precious grace of God and make it of no effect just because we've commoditized everything. No, I want to preach with, to you first. Because if you're not genuinely converted, you saw, you saw this guy that Philip and the rest of them preached to. His name was uh, uh, Simon. Simon the sorcerer. When they were preaching to other people, he listened. And the Bible says he was among those people who believed the testimony of the apostles. But still, he wanted to buy the power. Because he was not fully letting go of the kingdom of this world. Because the kingdom of this world, things run by money. In the kingdom of God, things run by obedience through love. Right? And so guess what? Even though he was preached to, he still wanted to do it the wrong way. How much more the people that you don't preach to that you just pray for? They just want to take the power and use it to their own advantage. Now, let me connect the two. But before I connect it, I think this verse of scripture is going to help us make the connection. Isaiah 44, verse 12. Oh yeah, somebody already knows what's in there, right? I hear the, uh, yes. Isaiah 44, verse 12. Now look at what it says. Isaiah 44, verse 12 says, it says the blacksmith, is that 44 verse 12? Yeah. He says the blacksmith with the tongues works one in the coals, fashions it with hammers, and works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. Did you see what the Bible is talking about the way the blacksmith works? Even though he is hungry, even though he knows that, man, I can use some water. But the moment he walks away to go and satisfy his own thirst, to go and pleasure himself, the iron that is in the fire is going to get cold. He will have to do it all over again. But the Bible is letting us know that the way to do it is you focus on your assignment and forget about pleasures. But many of us, we want to go out into the world and preach the gospel and still be pleased while we're doing it. You see what I mean? You want somebody to accept you. When you say, can I pray for you? Like, oh, sure, I can take prayers. No, I will preach to you. If you don't like it, spit on my face. That will make me rejoice because they did that to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what I mean? But I don't want you to receive me because of the fact that I have a gift in my hand that you want to take without receiving the giver of the gift. We need to stop the waste. We need to stop bleeding out kingdom resources. My submission to you, ladies and gentlemen, and today I'm not going to preach a long sermon, is this. Let us look at that woman's story once again and see that that story, that woman, is an embodiment of some of the people that you and I know who were once named by the name of God. When they were born, they were called the beloved of God. But now they are in mourning because the system is dead and that is the only husband 
that they know I want to encourage you as many people as you know who are still sounding like their life depends on the system if you know anybody who no longer knows how to go from door to door preaching the gospel who only preach their gospel on social media tell them to divorce the system they can use social media to preach the gospel the same way you use a bridge to get to Atlanta but don't live under the bridge don't make social media your shelter because one day that bridge is going to be taken off you know yesterday we had a sample of it oh yeah like yesterday Facebook Instagram WhatsApp they were out of service for like seven hours yesterday and I was so excited because I'm like oh finally people are getting to see a taste you know I've been talking about the blackout that is coming you know I was telling a friend of mine I said so you know what's gonna follow right the next blackout maybe not the immediate next one but there is a blackout that is coming that will take with it some financial institution and that is when you will know whether you're truly married to God or you're married to the system if you wake up one day and you can't log into your Bank of America and after five minutes you've lost five pounds then you know that your treasure oh yeah you know how it is you start sweating profusely and you start calling everybody in fact you will call the spam number that was trying to sell you insurance you call that number out of frustration saying is your system working can you log in i want to encourage you your attitude to what the system should be this john and alice i'm almost done maybe this should be one time that i can be done before you leave Give me five minutes and then we'll be all done. We'll break bread. I don't want you to miss the bread breaking. So here is the deal. In order for you not to find yourself in mourning, when you're supposed to be in rejoicing, we're supposed to be rejoicing in anticipation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the devil wants to rob us of that oil of gladness by taking away the system so that we can be thrown into mourning. You see, the people that are in mourning have no oil. And that's what the devil is after. He wants you to be caught without the oil so that the coming of the Lord Jesus will be upon you as a thief in the night. But God forbid, because you are one of the saints. The Bible says, Paul speaking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, I don't even need to tell you these things because you already know of the coming of the Lord. He said, it will only be as a thief in the night upon the children of disobedience. He said, but for you, you know your seasons. And for you to know your season means to not miss your season. So I want to encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, start to examine yourself and start to check within yourself. The Lord said to me today, as we were getting ready, he said to me, he said, I want you to remind your brothers and sisters that I have given them the power to deliver themselves of evil spirits. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So as we break bread today, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is tell yourself, of any ungodly dependencies that you may have and tell yourself i deliver myself from unholy alliances with the world you see the power of life and death are in the tongue a lot of what is dealing with you you asked for it okay a lot of what is dealing with us a lot of what we're struggling with we asked for it we caused it we submitted ourselves to those things we we started little by little until it became an addiction until it became a dependency, it was just like, oh, I'm just going to use a little bit of this thing and I'll be all right. You know, but then at the end of the day, you keep using it. And that's why the Bible says the ones who practice sin also practice lawlessness because sin is lawlessness. That is old King James. Okay. 
But when you know what that means in New King James or in modern English, if you read the ESV, it's amazing. This is what it says. It says that if you keep practicing to do that which is a departure from the nature of God, after a while you become accustomed to lawlessness. You become, I know I still, I paraphrase because it's not as broken down as that. You see, you become accustomed to lawlessness. And so, but how did it start? It started by you choosing that which is less than the nature of God. You understand what I mean? You know, my wife has asked me this question multiple times. She, she keeps asking me, what's the difference between sin, transgression, and iniquity? In fact, there's a fourth one, which is what? Trespasses. Right? Sin, transgression, iniquity, and trespasses. Now, Sin is a violation against the nature of God. Transgression is a violation against the law of God. Iniquity is a violation against boundaries. I mean, trespasses is a violation of boundaries and iniquity is a violation of morals. Let me say that again. When you violate a moral code, it's iniquity. When you violate boundaries, it's trespasses. When you violate the law of, law of God, is what is transgression when you violate the nature of God it is sin and that is the one that mostly we fall for what is the nature of God the Bible says God is love so if the moment I am not living in love toward my sister I am living in sin right but that which I have just described almost every single one of those things every time we find ourselves doing those it is because we choose to and the Lord is saying I want you to be empowered with that knowledge that when you were doing wrong it was because you chose to and so if you chose to do wrong that means you can choose to do right can I say that again but the reason why we mostly feel like we can never choose to do right is because what is very natural to our nature or to our flesh is what is sin and so because you find yourself every time I will to do that which is right I find myself doing that which is wrong. That's because you're willing, you're not choosing. Because your willpower can only go so far, but your choices. And one of these days, I would like to teach more on the difference between just having willpower and actually having the power to choose. You know, God said, I set before you this day life and death. Choose a life that you may live. It didn't say keep desiring to live. It says keep having the, it didn't say keep having the will to live. It says choose. Just in a nutshell, the difference between will and choice is this. Choice is instantaneous. Will is a process. And most times anything that is a process, after a while we fail at it. But that which is that moment, the moment you choose, that's the end. It is more powerful than if you have a will to overcome a thing. Thank you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house. That's www.communion.house. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.